hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. Happy holidays and just around the corner, Happy New Year. Can you believe it's already <laughs> the end of the year? <laughs> no. It's crazy. Well, David and I have put together a special Queer Money for you today. We're, we are going to share with you some of our favorite episodes and favorite quotes from the last year of Queer Money. Um, we, we kind of got into podcasting by accident, and it has been one of the best things that we've ever done because... Even though we thought we knew everything that there was to know about money, especially <laughs> for gay people, <laughs> there's actually a lot that we don't know. And we are learning a ton thanks to our listeners and our guests who come on our show. Uh, we've really appreciated that. So we wanted to highlight some of what we think are the best of queer money for 2017 to help uh, kick us off so we all have an amazing 2018. Exactly. Yeah, so it is really kind of a year in review, uh, partly because, as John mentioned, we have met so many amazing people, had so many great conversations, and been inspired so many times during the 2017 podcast year for Queer Money. <laughs> yeah. So we want to share some of these quotes and shows with you, partly because they inspired us and we know at this time of the year, uh, we can kind of have a little bit of a hangover from the holidays, so we want to try to give you a little bit of a inspiration to kick off 2018 in an amazing fashion. Yeah, this this week between Christmas and, and New Year's is always kind of like this vortex of, 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 I don't know, like a black hole of like, what's going on? What am I doing? Do I even worry about my goals and ambitions because I've already been sabotaged? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, yesterday... Uh, I spent the whole day eating all this food, and now today I'm feeling like a sloth, and why worry about it until New Year's Eve, right? Right. But we wanted to lay the groundwork for us and for you to have an amazing 2018. Right. It's the the time of the year that we might not feel so fabulous, <laughs> <laughs> and especially we might be fabulously broke because we have either spent a significant amount of money on Christmas or on any other holiday or just on taking care of ourselves for the end of the year. Although we were inspired, we read an article in the Washington Post yesterday, I think it was, uh, that talked about how there, there there is this trend of people not spending so much money giving Christmas gifts, um, but either not spending money on Christmas gifts at all or using that money rather than buying tangible gifts uh, to by experiences that they can have more um, quality time with the people that they love. So that's kind of inspiring to hear. So maybe um, us and all of our FinCon community <laughs> friends and all the people who deal with personal finance in the media uh, are having an influence on, on the country. And hopefully that'll put everybody in a better financial position. Exactly. So David, what are David and I are going to each cover um, two of our favorite po uh, podcasts for the year and two of our favorite quotes for the year. And we'll share why we think those are great. Um, and then uh, we will wrap it up. So David, sure. what is your first favorite episode of 2017? I would say that one of my favorite episodes this year was when we had Sonara 4 on episode number 56, What We Can Learn from the Daughter of Two Moms. Uh, I was very inspired by this episode and I was moved by many of the things that Sonara talked about. Sonara was uh, adopted at a very early age. She and she, she has a sibling. They were adopted at an early age and uh, their mothers um, had a relatively stable financial life. 
and then the financial crisis hit in 20, uh, was it 20, 2008, 2009, and uh, they had been working with a financial advisor who didn't necessarily have all of their best interests at heart, and uh, they ended up losing a significant amount of money, and they also ended up losing their home. And so Sonara learned so much from that experience, um, and at some point in Sonara's young adult life, uh, when she was in her mid to late teens, decided that she never wanted to have that feeling of hopelessness, uh, financial, uh, um, being scared financially, and watching her mothers go through this. She decided that she never wanted that to happen to her, and she didn't want it to have it happen to her mothers ever again. Uh, and what is amazing is Sonara, at the age of, uh, of 21, um, has made a commitment, has made several commitments in her life. Uh, she went to school to become a financial advisor. She went uh, to school to learn more about how to manage her own finances and how to make sure that she would protect not only herself, people in her community, but people in general when it comes to finances. And she's so much more concerned about the personal aspect of money rather than the financial aspect of money and how it has an impact to the point where she has made uh, the, the commitment to make sure that every year she contributes to her IRA account, her Roth IRA account, uh, so that she's saving. So here's someone who is in college, she's working full time, and she's committed to making sure that she pays herself first in her IRA. So she's saving for a secure retirement and at some point during that time period, she also decided to buy a house for, I think she said, roughly $75,000. Now, here's a young woman in her late teens, early 20s, buys a house and moves her mothers into that house. So she's taking care of her family financially. And what I found so inspiring about this is oftentimes we say to ourselves, well, I don't make enough money or I don't do this or I can't do that because here's an example of someone who said, I'm going to put my financial well-being and the financial well-being of my family first before I have a good time at school, before I have a good time with my friends, before I go out and enjoy my life. She said, I'm going to take care of the financial aspect first. I have no doubt that in the years ahead, we're going to hear more about Sonara and how she's making an impact, not only in the personal, or sorry, in the personal, yeah, in the personal finance and advisor community, but I think in the LGBT community as well. Absolutely, yeah, she's quite amazing. And in fact, she just recently passed her certified financial planner test. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, which that's not an easy test to take. So she just did that after graduating college, all while working full time, and saving all of this money for her family and herself. So she's, yeah, phenomenal, very inspiring woman. All right, John, how about you? What's what's one of your favorite episodes? So one of my two favorite episodes was uh, um, uh, oh, Emil Wilbecken. Uh, we had Emil Wilbecken on episode 37, Modern Renaissance Man. We had him on earlier in the year. We met Emil at a prudential event that we spoke at in San Francisco, and I, when he was telling his story at this event, it, it all started to sound familiar to me. And then I realized, I know this guy. I've heard his story before. Emil 
in the 90s, uh, got into uh, writing and publishing, and he was hired by Quincy Jones to be one of his the editors of um, a newly invented Vibe magazine. Um, he started out as a, as, a, as a subordinate editor. Eventually, he became the chief editor. Um, and what's fascinating about his story is that, uh, yes, he's a black man writing about hip-hop um, for the uh, black community, but he was also an out gay man, which in the hip-hop world, in the African-American culture, is a bit challenging, especially in the 1990s. We forget, I think, today how difficult things were, even just 20, 30 years ago. Um, and in the 90s, it was, it was, it was very avant-garde to come out and be gay. And, <laughs> and he could have completely sabotaged his, his career by coming out. But, and he was working with, closely with, the likes of you know, Lenny Kravitz and um, Will Smith and all these hip-hop artists, um, heavy, uh, heavy hip-hop artists that might have turned a blind eye or, or a cold shoulder to him because they didn't want to be associated with somebody who was gay. But he didn't care. Right. He felt he, he needed to be authentic to himself. Um, and one of his quotes I thought um, was great was, it's not about being comfortable. It's about finding your way through the discomfort. And Emil knew that, yes, it would be uncomfortable to work in this community as a gay man. But he knew that he couldn't put his true self, make his true self um, subordinate to who he really was. Um, and he knew that he could work through that discomfort. And that has paid off for him tenfold. And now he's he's no longer working at Vibe. He's worked at Essence since then. He's uh, moved on to some of his own projects and he's just helping um, the LGBT community and the African American community in ways that he probably never even thought of when he first graduated college. And he's just doing amazing things. And I think what it, it tells me, as do, as many of the, the guests that we've had on our show, that it's so important to be your true authentic self. Find that courage, however you need to find that, and be your true authentic self. Uh, and the rewards will come. It won't be easy. It will definitely be scary, but the benefits will definitely come. Absolutely. So, David, what is your second favorite episode? <laughs> um, my second favorite episode was one, unfortunately, that I wasn't able to be a part of. Uh, I um, had some other obligations, and I wasn't able to record this one with John. Although um, we had a little bit of a snafu technically, uh, but I. Uh, was able to be a part of the conversation when we recorded the the episode the first time. <laughs> second time, we lost the audio, and second time, John recorded this. But this was episode 73 with transgender model Dominique Jackson, and she talked to us about abundance. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I, when I think about most individuals in the transgender community, even in the LGBTQ community, Q community in general, it doesn't seem like we have a conversation about abundance, about how amazing our lives can be. And I think that that's what really drove home uh, this the, the, the appreciation for this episode, was that although that she had these struggles in her life, uh, and despite the challenges that she had, uh, she never lost sight of what her true goals were. When she was a child living in Tobago, she said to herself, although she was in a boy's body, she said, one day I am going to be Dominique Jackson and I am going to be a model. And I think she said she was seven years old at the time. And it took her a few years uh, to get to New York to 
start our transition process and to get into the modeling world. Um, many of you may know her name uh, because she was on the uh, Showtime show Strut, uh, which um, was about a whole modeling agency that is specifically for transgendered individuals. Um, I think that the other thing that um, is amazing about her story is that she, when she was living in Tobago, she was molested regularly by her priest. Uh, and she was marginalized in her community. And even once she moved to the United States, she was she found it very difficult, and she had some some hard times, but she never, ever stopped thinking about and pursuing her dream. And I, I again, I mentioned this with Sonara Four's episode. Um, we oftentimes can get sidetracked by what is going on in our lives, financially, emotionally. Uh, and we allow these things to then cause us to switch our goals or get distracted, um, not pursue the things that we really want to pursue. And there's here's another example of what happens when you are able to do that. She has reached her goal. She is a high uh, I'm sorry, high fashion model in New York. Has been to New York Fashion Week and modeled there. And so she has achieved what she, it is that she has wanted to achieve. At the same time, she's never stopped giving back to her community. She regularly gives back to her community in the Bronx in New York. Exactly. Yeah, she's one of the um, leaders at Destination Tomorrow, uh, which is a LGBT community center in the Bronx in New York City. Um, and she helps um, inspire and motivate and keeps uh, those young LGBT people on track and helps them achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah, she's she's... Such I didn't realize when we first met her when we were in New York City several months ago, we had a very high-level conversation. It was a cocktail party. Uh, you know, it was just you know not very deep conversation, but she was very nice and friendly. And we asked if she would come on our show, and I didn't realize how wise she was until we had the chance to talk with her the first time. Uh, and, that, and unfortunately, that episode will never be heard <laughs> by anyone. But I was just like, wow, this woman is profound. So, be, you know, we were very uh, cautious about asking her to come back and re because we know her time is valuable, um, but we felt that her, her wisdom, wisdom needed to be shared with our community, so we asked her, and fortunately she, she agreed to come back, and it was a great, great episode. My uh, second favorite episode for Queer Money in 2017 is um, episode 43, when we had uh, David Freitag from Mass Mutual on our show. Uh, David Freitag works for Mass Mutual, but that episode was also sponsored by Mass Mutual, and he gave us, I think, one of the most profound pieces of financial information that we learned this year. Um, that episode was called One Million Reasons Why Gay Couples Should Get Married. And the reason we called it that was because David told us about um, the Social Security benefits, um, spousal and survivor benefits, that if, if utilized correctly, um, if uh, you're married to your spouse, um, that could, in essence, lead to an extra $1 million for you and or your spouse in retirement. And many in the LGBT community live in a world of financial insecurity. And this one decision of getting married and then availing yourself to these benefits, they do both require you to be married for anywhere from 9 to 12 months before you can take advantage of those benefits. Um, but one only 
a kickstart or, or uh, becomes active if one or both of you become uh, uh, handicapped. The other, unfortunately, only <laughs> kicks in if one or one of you passes away. Um, but they can both, uh, the combination of the two, even for middle-income earners, could lead to an additional $1 million in retirement. And that is a huge nest egg for many people um, and provide, provide a profound amount of financial security. So that's why I thought that was an important episode. David is an LGBT, but, um, oh, I'm sorry, that was episode, I'm sorry, that's episode 54, right? not um, 43, my apologies. So episode 54, One Million Reasons Why Gay Couples Should Get Married. Um, it was just a great learning opportunity for us. We, we uh, a great financial um, tool that many of us can take advantage of, all simply by saying, I do. Right. And I know that there's a uh, there's a number of individuals in our community who either have been hesitant to get married or just felt that there was never a need to get married. We'd like to ask you to just take a listen to that episode and to think about the potential financial impact that you could be having on the person you're with by not following through with that, by not getting married. You are giving, as John mentioned, potentially giving up hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in lifetime benefits that you are paying for today. You are paying for those. Every time you pay your taxes, you're paying for those benefits. And you're going to just let them be taken away from you and given to the rest of the community or the rest of the uh, population who does decide to get married. And you would be taking them away from the person you love. Exactly. It makes me think especially of um, older uh, lesbian and gay couples yeah. who might you know, have grown up in the 60s and 70s and kind of had this counterculture mentality and didn't want to conform. Um, many are of those people are in financial insecurity, and this is one way to sort of debate that. Exactly. Um, so yeah, please definitely consider uh, getting married so you can award yourself, um, avail yourself, sorry, to those benefits. All right, David, what one of your favorite quotes from 2017. Sure. So um, one of my favorite quotes from uh, this year was from J.R. Badian. Uh, and J.R. Badian was on episode 70, and he came on to talk to us about retraining your brain for success. Uh, J.R. works with um, John Asraf, and uh, they put on a seminar every year that is broadcast live over, uh, over the web, and that's free. And their whole focus is helping individuals really give up and let yourself lo let, let loose of some of the habits, the mental habits that you have that are preventing you from having success in all aspects of your life, whether it's getting on track with your health, uh, eating properly, financially, uh, getting your career going in the right direction. All of those are covered. Um, but what, what I found so interesting is... Um, his quote was, when you have an implicit belief that you can't do it, but at the same time, you're telling yourself and others that you can, that really is chaos. It results in chaos. And what really struck me about that is so often we are telling ourselves, whether it's through affirmations or we just tell ourselves regularly, I can do this or I'm going to do this, I want to do this, and we're telling our friends or uh, our colleagues that we're going to do this, but inside of us, there's 
a belief that we can't, um, that causes this separation in really what we what we will do, what we will do in in our actions. If we somehow inside don't necessarily believe that we can, we won't put forth 100% of effort. You know, maybe we'll put forth 80%. And really what that ends up meaning is that we won't achieve the level of success that we want to achieve or we think we can achieve or, um, or, or we've told people that we will achieve or it will take us longer to get there. And from a personal experience, this is something that uh, I know that I've struggled with, uh, especially with our success with Debt Free Guys, is that I've, I know that I have had some doubts in my mind about some of the levels of success, some of the ability to reach people in our community and actually show them that there is a way to live fabulously and not fabulously broke. Um, and because of those doubts, I know it's taken me a little bit longer to move forward and make some of the strides that I've, I know that I can and want to. Exactly. Yeah, there's something, if there's any doubt within you, despite what you say, to other people and say out loud, if you have this doubt inside you, it kind of overpowers things and we have this confirmation bias. We all are looking to prove ourselves right and if there's a level of us that doesn't believe that we can achieve what it is we want to achieve, we may indirectly not try as hard as we should or we would like to and then we don't achieve what we want to achieve and then we go and say, see, I knew I was never going to be able to get that anyway. Right. And it was really your mental thinking that, that prevented you from getting what you want. Great quote. Uh, my, fir my first quote for 2017 that I want to share was from episode uh, 60, which featured Patrick Riley. Um, Patrick Riley is a for former producer for Oprah Winfrey, um, and I think he still, still does pro special projects with her. Um, and he's done a number of, of, of media events, and, and uh, he's in all sorts of movies and stuff like that. Very inspiring, uh, great person. His quote was, you can live your best life just as it is. It's all in the lens by which you experience it. And it's all in the lens by which you chronicle it. I try to experience and chronicle from that space of possibilities and positivity. So again, here, this was someone who grew up as a gay black child in Atlanta. And he came from a family who didn't accept LGBT people. Hmm. And he, you know, being from the South, being from the culture that he was, decided that, hey, I need to overcome whatever my inhibitions are, and be my true self. Because I won't have the rewards in life, I won't have the success in life, I won't have the impact on people that I would like to have if I'm not my true and authentic self. And oftentimes, I think when we grow up feeling marginalized or different or, or disempowered, which I think many LGBT people grow up in that culture, David and I are, are two examples, that if we believe that too much, if we're too focused on the negative or the impossibility, then we can never achieve the possibility. Mm -hmm. And th it's all through which you see the world. It's all through the, the lens in which you, you look at the world. Um, and again, I, you know, I heard Gary Vaynerchuk say this a couple of years ago on a radio show, that if there's anybody in the world who has your who, 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 the struggles that you've had, whatever the struggle might be, and has been able to overcome that to achieve the success that they want, then there's no excuse why you can't overcome the struggles that you have. Exactly. And achieve the success that you want. All right, David, number two quote. 
So I have a little bit of a bias here. I actually <laughs> p- picked a, a quote of, of John's, uh, oh, the man sitting next to me. <laughs> um, this was from episode 61. And uh, the quote John said was, we realized the things that we really wanted in life were being, were preventing us, um, were being prevented by the debt that we had taken on. So basically what John was saying is that the debt that we had was preventing us from really being able to enjoy our lives. And I think especially around this time of the year, we feel compelled to buy things for other people and buy things for ourselves or have certain types of experiences. And we think that all of this is going to give us enjoyment in our lives. We're going to enjoy our lives more because we live here. We're going to enjoy our lives more because we're vacationing there. We'll enjoy our lives more because we have these things. Uh, And what we really realized was that what was happening is we would have this hangover from the things or the experiences, and that was all being caused by debt. Uh, That hangover was really truncating the ability for us to really enjoy our lives. And what ended up happening was we got this short-term enjoyment from these things or these experiences, and then we felt bad because we had the debt. And then we would turn around and do it all over again because we needed something to make us feel good about ourselves. So we'd go out and spend some more money. And one of the amazing things, the biggest things that we learned when paying off our debt was the ability to really enjoy our lives and the things that we were doing and the things that we were purchasing because we no longer had that debt. And the fact that we could do it so much more because we didn't have that debt. When we paid off our debt, we gave up spending anywhere from six to $10,000 a year on uh, interest that we were sending off to credit card companies. And that extra money not only allowed us to save for retirement, which makes us feel more secure about our financial situation. It also allowed us to uh, to be able to spend some more time and money on each other and uh, really have an enjoyable life. Exactly. I, I, our lives, the quality of our lives were exponentially improved when we paid off our debt because yes. no longer did we not have that financial stress, but we all of a sudden had this money that we could actually put towards the things we really wanted. <laughs> right. It's very ironic. All right, John, what about your quote? All right, my last quote, uh, of one of the many great quotes you had in, on For Money this 2017, was from Shannon Morrison, one of the uh, leaders of I Am Creative out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. And Shannon said, quote, Our money isn't covered in glitter or pink when it comes out of our wallet. It looks just like everyone else's. But what's queer about our money is the responsibility that we hold to where we put that money at any given moment. And this, to me, encompasses the whole reason why David and I do what we do. This is why we have Jeffrey Guys. This is why we have Queer Money. This is why we go around the country speaking to the LGBT community, uh, advocating for everybody to become financially independent, because we believe in a strong queer community. We want to help build a stronger queer community. And one of the major pillars of a strong queer community is financially strong individuals and uh, financially uh, independent, financially strong individuals and allies within our community. Because not only does that give us more uh, money freedom to be able to donate to the causes and initiatives that are important to us in our community, but it also frees us up 
for time, to be able to donate our time to the causes and initiatives that are important to us. So that regardless of whatever confrontations come our way, that we have the wherewithal and the capability to continue to fight for the progress that we need. Um, Same-sex marriage became legal in 2015, but that by no means uh, means that we've achieved equality. Uh, there are still many in our community who are still struggling, uh, many parts of the country who have not yet accepted our, our community. And the only way that we can continue that progress is if we um, have the financial, emotional wherewithal to have to fight that. And to me, that's that's uh, that's what was so powerful about Shannon's quote and underscores exactly why Dave and I do what we do. Right. So one of the things I guess it, it really drives home is that each and every single one of us needs to make a commitment to using our pink dollars in our community, at least a portion of it. And I know that we've mentioned this number over the uh, podcast this year. Our community has a buying power of $971 billion, almost a trillion dollars worth of spending power in our community. And if we were to just use 1% of that, $9 billion, giving that back to our community in ways that would allow our community to thrive and prosper and allow us to, uh, to push for equality, I can't imagine the amount of change that could happen if we were to do that. Exactly. So thank you for joining us for another year. I can't believe in a couple of months this will be our, we'll be going into our third year of Queer Money. Um, it's quite ironic uh, and funny, but thank you for joining us for Queer Money and giving us all the support and um, the feedback that you do. The only reason David and I do what we do is um, so that we can help our community become stronger. Um, and your engagement helps um, motivate us and provides us with the direction of where we need to take things. That said, please, uh, please like, this episode of Queer Money, either on iTunes or Stitcher, so that we can um, get our message out to more LGBT people and help more LGBT people become financially independent and secure so that we can continue to fight that progress. Right. And, and, progress. Yeah, and I, I would encourage you to, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the episode on uh, the platform in which you listen to podcasts. Uh, that will um, not only help, uh, but also, if you could, share it with other people. We know that there are from the numbers that we have seen, we know that there are so many individuals in our community that are struggling financially, and we know that there are many in our community who struggle with success and the mentality that comes uh, with living in the community that we we live in. Oftentimes, we're faced with, uh, with challenges in life, just like Dominique faced, or uh, ones that, uh, that other individuals that we have had on our podcast this year have faced, and there may be someone out there that you share the episode with that can be inspired by those conversations to continue to move forward and try to achieve the life that you really want to achieve. Exactly. So happy holidays, happy new year, and we look forward to seeing, or I guess hearing, or we look forward to you hearing more <laughs> of us <laughs> in 2018. Right. Thank you. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.